Thank you, Doug. Uh, keep your Bibles open at 1 Thessalonians. I'll lead us in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you would speak to us. We pray you would uh, speak this morning through it. And I uh, pray, God, that we would have those listening hearts uh, that receive your word. Um, it doesn't go in one ear, out the other, Lord, but it uh, does its work in us uh, to grow us as your disciples. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Roger said, week four of the vision series and the final week, and we've been following along the discipleship pathway uh, to guide us through this time. And so we'll, we'll put that up here. And, and the first week we had welcoming and together, you'll remember, which is about God gathering a people for himself through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Week two was growing, which is the God who gathers us also wants to grow us up in maturity uh, to be like Christ. And then last week we had serving. Uh, which we saw was serving the growth of others toward that maturity in Christ. And this week we are circling back to the start, as you can see there, uh, to connecting and evangelism. And it's at the start because this is how people get onto the discipleship pathway. This is the on-ramp uh, into it. Uh, it is how someone becomes a Christian. All right, so uh, evangelism is that Greek word, uh, that well, it comes from the Greek word that means to announce significant uh, official good news. So not just kind of trivial news that you might hear and here today, gone tomorrow, but but really significant news. It's going to change the world, like like the rise and fall of kingdoms, or victory in battle, things like that. Big news. And so the gospel that the New Testament announces uh, is the big news that Jesus is king of God's eternal kingdom. Right, that's the gospel of the New Testament, uh, and that is what we proclaim to people when we do evangelism. And now what about connecting? Well, connecting is actually about uh, reaching out to people and, and bringing them to a point where they can hear the gospel. Right, so it's connecting with people uh, so they can hear the gospel um, and look, we, we need to do that because most people we know are a long way from Jesus. Uh, if you think about um, some of the, think about Sunday morning, think about today, think about how many people are in, actually in churches today in Sydney, um, across all our churches in Sydney, it's probably about 2% of Sydney, uh, maybe less than that even, which is not many people. And not only that, but many people in our city have never heard the gospel never heard about Jesus. And, and even many people in our city might not even know a Christian. So how are they going to hear the gospel? They don't even know someone who knows the gospel. And so there's this, actually, there's another worrying stat that came out uh, through the NCLS survey, the National Church Life Survey, which we were a part of as well. Um, and it showed this. It showed that Anglican churches across Sydney are showing a drop in newcomers. So it went from 9% I've got a little graph here just to help us out. It went from 9% in 2011 to 5.4% in 2021. So that's a space of 10 years and a trend that, as you can see, is, is going down. So this is people uh, that are not in churches coming to churches. Um, it is dropping. Uh, so that's, that's a worrying thing. And then if we look at, this is from our National Church Life Survey stats. Um, this is about inviting newcomers to church. So uh, this was our own stats, and 25% uh, of us from Amy Plains Anglican 
um, have invited someone to church in the last 12 months. So one in four of us have done that. Uh, And then there was this big group, 50% of us, who were willing to invite someone along to church, but we didn't end up doing that uh, over the course of the year. So that's kind of good and kind of not so good, isn't it? It's like there's 75% of us who are thinking about inviting people to church, but there's only one in four of us who are actually doing it. And so how do we... How do we fix this? How do we kind of grow in connecting and evangelism, right? Because we want people to know Jesus. Right? How do we grow from not only just wanting people to know him and, and come to church and hear about him, but to actually doing it? Right? How do we get more people through the doors so more people can hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, believe in him and be saved? Right? What is going to motivate us to grow in this? Not just today and tomorrow, but uh, through the rest of this year and into next year as we think about Vision 2024. What's going to motivate us to reach people with the gospel? I've got three things for us today to help us with that. And that is that we must be convinced of the mission, must be convicted by the Spirit, and also concerned for the lost. And these are things that can really motivate and drive our evangelism, not just personally, individually, but also together as the church. And so let's uh, jump into these. The first one is to be convinced of the mission. And then Matthew 28 is what we read. It is probably the clearest passage in the Bible on the mission that Jesus has given to his disciples. So the context is really important. It's it's right at the end of Matthew's gospel. It's after Jesus has has died and he's been buried, but three days later the tomb was empty, wasn't it, if you read Matthew's gospel? And the disciples didn't steal the body. Jesus was raised from the dead. And so the resurrected Jesus calls his disciples to himself to give them one final command before he ascends to heaven. And that's what makes this, what Jesus says here, so important. We call it the Great Commission, Matthew 28. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Right, so all authority, right, in heaven and earth given to Jesus. He's the king of the universe. He rules over all. All things belong to him. He could do anything. He could have anything. He could command anything. And the one thing, he tells his disciples, is to make disciples. Right, You disciples, you be disciples who make more disciples. Right, and so this is actually, this is the reason that the world didn't end when Jesus rose from the dead. Right, this is why there is that delay between Jesus' ascension and his coming back again. It's why we have this time now to live in. It's so that we can make more disciples of Jesus. So disciples can multiply and make disciples. Right, Jesus, he'd already spoken about this time in Matthew's Gospel, if you read it. Uh, back in Matthew 24, he spoke about this time in this way. He said, And this Gospel of the Kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Right, so the, the end is definitely coming, but it's not yet, because Jesus still has work to do. He is making disciples through disciples in this time that we live in. That's what this time is for. 
And so, so that's why this is the mission of the church. It's why it's the vision of this church. We're trying to capture that. Right? To see lives transformed through Jesus is going to be seen in the making and the growing of disciples. That is what we're on about as a church. And we must be convinced this is the work that God has given us to do. It wasn't just for the 11 disciples who were there with Jesus. It wasn't just their work. It was for them and the disciples they would make and the disciples they would make and so on and so on. It is for all of us. Now, I think most of us would, would nod our heads and agree with that. And it's okay to nod your head when we're preaching. It really helps the preacher. So you can nod. Uh, we would nod our heads. Thank you for nodding. And we can nod and agree with that. We go, yeah, that's, that's it. That's what we're doing. But our problem is that I think this command from Jesus can feel like a duty for us uh, rather than a delight. Right? We, we do it because we have to, but we don't really want to. Like washing the dishes or seeing the dentist Right, or going to school, chips and chat guys. Don't love doing it, but we know we've got to do it. And so I read a line in a book this year that was really personally convicting for me on this point, and I think it captures the struggle we have with this, many of us have. So here it is. So here is the great admission that many of us need to make when it comes to the Great Commission. Our hearts aren't really in it. Now, this is not saying that we don't love God, that we don't want to make disciples, because I'm sure that we do. But we just, I think we just lack a little bit of motivation to really give ourselves to this great work. Right? There is in us that flickering flame of evangelism, but we're not on fire to reach people for Jesus. Right? So, so how, can we, how can we grow in this? How can we grow so disciple-making is not just something that we feel we must do, but actually something that we love to do. Right? Something that is at the core of our being, that is just driving everything that we do. Right? The, the beating heart of our lives individually, but also as the church. Right? How, can we, how can we grow in this? Well, I think these next two points are ways that can really motivate us to grow, to, to seek, to make disciples. And so the first one is that we be convicted by the Spirit. Right, and this is what we see in 1 Thessalonians. If you've got it there, keep it open. Because uh, to grow as disciples who make disciples, we must be those people who are convicted by God's spirit for evangelism. Now, this, when, when someone becomes a disciple of Jesus, uh, it is a, a radical transformation takes place in their life. Right, Paul talks about this with the Thessalonians when he says that they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Right, it's a total 180. Right? An idol is a thing that God created, uh, a, a good thing uh, that we turn into this God thing. And so we worship and serve the idol rather than the one who made it. Uh, but the Thessalonians here, they, they have turned from their idols. They have turned from those false and dead things to serve the living and the true God. Massive transformation in their lives. And we see how this happened, don't we, in Thessalonians. Uh, in verse 5, Paul tells us how it happened. He said, Our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Right? The gospel came to them. Right? Words, spoken words. And for some people, the gospel is just words, 
It's words that they hear that go in one ear and then just go out the other and just have no effect on them. Right? But for others, the gospel is, is more than words. Right? It is the power of God for salvation as God's spirit works with those words to bring about a deep conviction. That is a conviction that, that these words are not just human words, but actually it's the word of God. This is truth. This is reality. And when that happens and the Spirit is at work in you, you are totally transformed. And that, that means somebody's convicted by the Spirit in this way. And when you are convicted by the Spirit, by the message of the gospel, that message doesn't then just stop with you. It actually transforms you and then goes out to others as well. Right? We see that as we go on further in Thessalonians. I think this is verse 8. I've got the, the verses mixed up. I think it's verse 8, uh, where it says there, the Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Right, so the, the message is, is ringing out like a trumpet, like an air raid siren. Uh, people are, are seeing and hearing. The gospel has transformed these people's lives and, and they know it's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look, this is the work of the Spirit in their lives because the Spirit of God is an evangelist. Right, the Spirit is, drove the mission in the early church. If you read through Acts, the Spirit is at work in the disciples to take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth. It is, it is spreading. Right, the Spirit is driving the mission and that same Spirit that was in the disciples in the early church is also in us. It's in all believers. Right, and the, the Spirit's desire is to make Christ known. It's not to stop with you, it's actually to go from you out to others. And so uh, we must not be people who are quenching the Spirit's desire for evangelism. Right? That is like holding your breath. Do you ever drive through a tunnel and you hold your breath? Okay, you better hope it's not a long tunnel for those kids. They're going purple. Right? When, if, if you are a Christian, you are born again by the Spirit, uh, if we are not sharing that with others or at least wanting to, trying to, praying to, we are holding our breath. It's not good for us. We need to let it out. Don't quench the Spirit, but be those convicted by the Spirit and led by the Spirit into the good work of evangelism. Seeing lives transformed, making, growing disciples. And that is what the Spirit is at work in us to do. Now, the next one is uh, to be concerned for the lost. Uh, so it's motivating to be uh, convicted by the Spirit for this work, but it's also motivating for us uh, to grow in our concern for those uh, who are lost without Jesus. That's what it means to be lost. It means to not have Christ. It's kind of like the story of the prodigal son. Remember how he was described by his father? He was lost, then he was found. He was dead, then he was alive again. And so those lost without Christ are dead in their sin. Uh, which is horrible because it means that if you, if you die dead in your sin, you then face the judgment of God or what Paul calls the coming wrath of God. Did you see what he said at the end of that passage that we read? Uh, Paul says that those who turn to God from idols are waiting for his son Jesus to return from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. And Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. So the coming wrath he's talking about is the day that Jesus returns to judge the world. And on that day, those who are in Christ, who believe in him, will be rescued 
from the wrath of God against sin. But those who are not in Christ, who have rejected him, they will have to face the wrath of God in the anger of his judgment. Paul talks about this in 2 Thessalonians, in in the next Thessalonians letter, 1 verse 9. He says that those who reject Jesus will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Now, this is, this is what we call hell, simply. And I was doing some research on what the Bible says about hell sort of during the week because someone in our youth group asked that question. I said, what does the Bible actually say about hell? It's a great question. And I found the Bible says heaps about hell. Jesus actually says the most about it. Uh, and so I won't share all of it with you, but I'll share a summary of what I found. And it's, it's really sobering uh, reading. So just, just listen to this. Uh, this is a bit of a summary. Hell is a place separated from the glorious presence of God, where sinners continue in a state of unimaginable personal conscious torment and anguish, suffering the punishment of God's wrath and fury. And Jesus says it's a place to be avoided at all costs. Jesus says that because Jesus, he's concerned for the lost. This is why Jesus came. You read Luke's Gospel, you'll see Jesus there saying that he came to seek and save the lost. Right? This is why Jesus went to the cross, because this is what people needed. Jesus could have done anything. He could have ended world hunger. Right? He could have brought world peace. He could have put an end to poverty. He could have done anything that he wanted to do, but he came to do the, the thing we needed most, the most important thing, and that was sinners needed to be reconciled to God. And that is what the cross was about. Jesus died in our place for our sins, which means he suffered the punishment that we deserved. He endured the wrath of God for our sin. So that, John 3.16, anyone who believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Right, and so we should be concerned for the lost. Uh, we should think about the future, I think, more than we do and, and what is coming. Uh, we should be really concerned for those without Jesus. And it's a powerful motivator for us to love them and to warn them and to tell them about Jesus. I always remember the, the way this motivates a guy called Rico Tice, who was an English evangelist who made Christianity Explored um, program that we do here. And this is what he says. He says, people without Christ go to hell. If I believe that and I love people, why can I not warn them? And I found the logic of that has never left me. Uh, So that's one of the things that really helps to drive him in his evangelism and can drive us as well as we think about it. And so these three things together, uh, these can really help us. In evangelism, uh, to be convinced is our mission, given to us uh, by God, to be convicted uh, by the Spirit for evangelism and to be concerned for reaching the lost with the gospel. Now you might again be nodding and go, yep, that's, that is all well and good, I'm with you, I agree, but for these things to really have an impact upon us and make a difference in the lives of others that we know, right, we can't let today be the only time we think about it. Instead, we must be those people who are able to preach these truths to ourselves. 
Right? Preach them to yourself. Keep reminding them. Uh, keep reminding yourself of them. Because I don't know about you, but I don't wake up each day thinking about these things. Right? I sort of wake up thinking, which part of my body hurts today? You know. Or I wake up sort of thinking, hey, what do I have to do today? What is on my to-do list and, and, and worrying about that? Or, or I'm sort of thinking sometimes, my worst days, how long until I get to go back to bed? That's what I'm thinking about. Right, we need to wake ourselves up to these realities, don't we? Right, we need to, to warm our hearts, our cold hearts, uh, with this truth by preaching to ourselves. Right, so you can, you can just say things to yourself. Say, making disciples is the most important thing today. Right, the Spirit is in me for this great work. Lost people need to know Jesus. These things are going to matter for eternity. You can preach to yourself and it's going to give you clarity. It's going to shape your day in just a different way. It's going to make a difference in the lives of others. All right, so if you are someone who, who is willing and who is motivated to reach the lost, uh, preach these truths to yourself. Uh, but finally, I also want to give you something that you can, you can be doing straight away. Uh, this is something every Christian can be doing to be making disciples. Just going to finish with just three quick things. Uh, if you are willing, if you are motivated, here's some things that you can do today and keep doing uh, as, we, as we work together on this. So firstly, the first thing you can do is you can pray. There it is. Pray for God's mission. Pray to see lives transformed through Jesus. And pray for specific people that you know uh, that don't know Jesus. We're going to have a chance to do that a little bit later in our service. The second thing you can do is invite. All right, so invite people to hear the gospel. And lots of different ways to do this, depending on the person that you are talking to and their circumstances. Uh, you might just need to invite them to meet some of your Christian friends so they know some other Christians and see what they are like. Or you might want to invite them to read the Bible with you. You might want to invite them to church. Church is a great place to invite people to. Uh, 54 times a year we run a service and we preach the gospel. This is a great place to bring people to us on every single week. Christianity Explored, that's going on at the moment, uh, that is a place to hear the gospel. Uh, you can even, if people are you know, really long way from, from church and things like that, you can invite them to some of our connecting events. So the carols that's coming up is one. Uh, the uh, play-space cafe, the fresh food pantry, jump and jive, uh, for younger people, house, our youth group. Right, these things are on to connect with people in our community, just to bring them those steps closer to hearing the gospel and knowing Jesus. And then finally, be ready. Be ready. Uh, be ready to share the hope you have in Jesus. Uh, you, know, you know those understudies in the theatre? I don't know much about theatre, but apparently there's understudies who are not going to go on the stage, but they have to go on if the person breaks a leg or whatever they do. So they have to know all their lines, don't they, these understudies? And that is what we must be as Christians. We must be, be ready. We must know the gospel. We must know how we were saved, our story, so we can share that with other people. And a, and a great thing to know is, is to know why Jesus means so much to you? That's a great question to ask yourself. Why does Jesus mean so much to me? That's something you can tell someone else. And that is a very powerful thing to speak about with others. Why does Jesus mean so much to you? Be ready uh, with our answers for that. 
Because right? if we are those people who are, who are willing and are motivated, God will use our efforts in evangelism. No matter how small or insignificant or feeble we think they are, God uses those to bring people to himself and to save them, just like he brought us to himself. Uh, I'll finish with just one, one little story, a, a great story that I heard that illustrates this. Uh, it's a story about this, this kid was sitting on a bus. He tells this story and he was sitting next to the... It was after a cricket match, after a school cricket match, sitting on the bus and he was sitting next to the best cricket player in the team. And he wanted to talk to him. So he said, hey, what did you do uh, on the weekend? And this guy, this great cricket player, said to him, I went to church. And he was shocked. He said, whoa, did your mum make you go to church? He said, no, no, I went because I love Jesus. And right, and it was that small encounter with that cricket player that led this guy to becoming a Christian. That is what started it for him. And then many years later, when he was an older man, uh, he, he met this guy or he heard the story about the, the great cricket player, about what happened after that bus trip. Uh, that guy went home and, to his dad and, and uh, he said to his dad, hey, dad, I finally told someone about Jesus. I finally shared my faith with someone but I did a really terrible job. I didn't say the things I wanted to say. We might think that our efforts in evangelism are are small and insignificant, uh, but they are not. God uses those things to bring people to himself. And and the amazing thing is that, that, that when someone comes to know Jesus, they are then saved for eternity, and those things matter for eternity. So let us pray that God would use us. Let us pray that God would transform our hearts for his mission so together as his church we might see lives transformed through Jesus. And may we pray it would be all to the glory of God. Let's pray for that right now. Let's join in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful Uh, that you have made yourself known to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, that at some point we heard and believed uh, and our lives have been changed forever. And we, Father, we pray that you would uh, transform us uh, by the power of your spirit, that we might be those who long uh, to see others come to know you. Father, I pray you do this work in us individually, but also together as your church, uh, to do this great work of making disciples. Uh, We are so thankful, Lord, that you are with us to do this and to the very end of the age when you come again. Uh, Lord, help us to keep looking to that and thinking about that, that it might drive us uh, to help others to know you. So on that day, Lord, uh, they can be rescued from that coming wrath. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.